Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Jared Lons. I'm the lead pastor here at Encounter Church, and it is my pleasure to be able to, uh, to just speak to you a little bit from God's Word. Uh, if this is your first time, I want to welcome you to our church. Thank you so much for being with us at Encounter. And uh, if you're listening on the podcast today as well, thank you for taking time out of your day and your schedule to, to listen to us and uh, what God has to say. Before we begin, uh, I do want to just to tell you quickly about Starting Point. I am really excited. Uh, for those of you who've been with us from the beginning, maybe you've heard about Starting Point or maybe even attended it, um, but we have rethought and revamped the entire, uh, the entire class. You know, and, and, and it was pretty good for what it was when we started it, but now we've rethought it and we said, you know what? What we really want to do is we want to take some time and we want to, to take an opportunity to give you a good dinner. So we're actually catering it with Yinsberg Barbecue. Have any of you guys ever heard of Yinsberg Barbecue? They're right over here in Shadyside and uh, they're going to be catering for us. So um, it's going to have some delicious pulled pork and some chicken and that's free to you. We want you to come to Starting Point. And while we're there, we're going to tell you the story of Encounter Church and invite you to find your part in that story. What is it that... that that God is doing in this church, and why do we exist, and how can you be a part of it? And I believe that God is telling a story, and he's trying to reach the people in this community, and he wants all of us to do it. And the starting point is the place for anybody who's new to this church, anyone who's been coming for a while. If you're kicking the tires around, and you're saying, you know what, I kind of want to know what this church is really about. Starting point is the place for you. Now, let me tell you, if you have attended starting point before, we want you to come this time, okay? We want everyone to come this time. It's next Sunday, 5.30 p.m., and it's at the Stephen Foster Community Center right over here on Main Street. There's parking uh, in the lot in the back right off of Fisk Avenue, and uh, it's free for you. It's going to be about an hour. You get a delicious barbecue dinner, and we want everyone to come because we want everybody to be on the same page. If you will come, we're asking you right after service to just go to the Connection Center and just sign up. Just let us know you're coming, who you're bringing with you, if you're bringing anybody, and then you can show up. If you forget to do it today, you can go to our website, uh, EncounterPGH.com, and go to the Starting Point tab, and then you can register on a form that's online there as well. But I cannot stress enough how important this is. I'm telling you guys, we're going to tell a great story and how you can find your part in it, your place in that story, and, uh, and you get a free delicious dinner. So who doesn't like that? All right. So uh, we're going to continue our Let the Future Begin series today. We have, we're actually going to wrap it up today because of uh, Peter and Courtney Good coming next week to preach and tell us about their, their ministry. But, um, you know, we started off this year, we wanted to start the year off right, the 2015 year, and praying, asking God, what is it? that you want from us? What is it you want from me? What is it you want from an individual? And what is it you want from your church this year? And as I was praying and thinking about it, I felt like God sort of gave me this statement, this statement, this vision statement for the year, you know, of what it is that he wants us to be about as people and as a church. And that statement is simple. It's intentionally moving deeper and outward to make disciples of Jesus. I mean, it's three pieces to that, right? There's deeper, outward and make disciples. And all of that comes from the Great Commission. I mean, this is no surprise. Matthew 28 says, go into all the world and make disciples and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And that's the whole idea, right? So the concept is that this is a journey. We've been talking about a journey. And last week we talked about packing up and the supplies that we need for that journey to grow deeper in our relationship. And then today we're going to be talking about pushing outward into our communities so we can effectively grow in our relationships. But now that we're packed up, 
It's time to get on the road. It's time to get on the road and get moving. And so when, we, when we're talking today about getting on the road, we're talking about that pushing outward concept. I mean, this is a journey. If the journey that God has for us in 2015 is all about intentionally growing deeper and pushing outward, that whole journey, last week was the packing, that was the deeper, this week is now we have what we need. We know what we need throughout this year to stay, stay strong and to keep ourselves sustained that we need to now be on the road and get moving. But, you know, getting on the road actually means leaving your house. It actually means leaving your walls. It means taking steps towards your destination. You can't be outward. You can't go somewhere until you actually do that. You know, a few years ago, my brother and I, um, we were living in Maryland. And while we were there, my brother and I had been talking for several years about taking a camping trip together, and we thought it would be great to go to this place called Catoctin Mountain Park. If you've ever heard of it, it's incredible. It's one of the actual, um, there's not a lot of them around here. We have state parks, but this is a national park. There's not a lot of them on this side of the country, you know. The ones you always think of are like Yellowstone and, and, and places like that. Well, Catoctin is gorgeous. It's in the Appalachian Mountains. There's some great trails with great scenic routes. And my brother and I were talking about this place about going on this trip for a few years. But there's a difference between talking about the trip and actually going, right? So this idea of getting on the road is something that you actually take some intentionality to. You have to decide, I'm going, and why I'm going, what I'm going to do there. But even saying all of that, I could buy my plane tickets, I could pack my car, I can have my backpack, I can have everything, I can even reserve my days off of work to take a trip. But if I never leave my front door, if I never actually take steps out, I'm not actually on the road. And that's the whole idea of this day is, is being on the road. So finally the, the trip was planned and we packed up everything and my brother and I went to Catoctin and man, we had an incredible time. We did some hiking. We, uh, I actually hurt my ankle and well, that was great. But uh, this rock right here that you can see on the screen is actually called Chimney Rock. We stood on top of that rock and this is I mean, that, that's a scenery. Actually, I should say my brother stood on top of that rock. I stood on this lower one over here. <laughs> but uh, it was amazing. It was just incredible. And you only get that experience because we went on the road. We went there. We got to our destination. We had an incredible time camping together. We got to share stories and talk, and we have memories from that day. But it all happened because we actually left the comfort of our home and went somewhere and you know, we as Christians and as the church are called to go outside of our building, called to go outside of our church, outside of our homes, and to be on the road. And part of our journey as Christians is, is a rescue mission, is a rescue mission, and that's to seek and save the lost. Kind of like police cars have, you know, to protect and serve, ours would be to say to seek and save the lost. That's our job. Part of this journey that we have is to, is to go out and be on a rescue mission. We need to keep our eyes open for the people that are around us, the people who are living in li the lives around us, going about their business, who are in pain, who are hurting, who are feeling hopeless, people who are searching for something. Maybe they look like they've got it all together, but they're still searching for things, and that's why they're always grabbing things. There's all sorts of things, but they're all on a rescue mission to shine a light into our communities and to show the way to Jesus. That's really what we're trying to do, is to point people to Jesus. If I've done anything at the end of the day, when I'm done preaching up here every week, if I can get off the stage and say, did I point the way to Jesus, then I've done my job. And as Christians, at the end of the day, when we lay our heads down on our pillow, when we say, 
Did I do a good job today? Is God proud of me? Not because our job is to please God in the sense of my, my works, the things that I do are going to make him love me any worse or less. It's not about that. But if we are followers of Jesus Christ, if we are followers of him, our goal should be to please him. And at the end of the day, when we lay our pillows, our head on the pillow and we ask, did I do a good job today? If you can say, I pointed the way to Jesus, then the answer is yes. Did you point people to Jesus? You know, and our job is not only to become disciples, to grow deeper in our faith. It's also to go outside and make them, to make disciples, to be outward. The Great Commission, we talked about that a minute ago. This is why we are so committed to outreach at this church. If you've been here any period of time, you know that we're always talking about outreach. We're always talking about a missions program of something, some way to intentionally get outside of our walls That's why, because we are committed to this rescue mission, to the Great Commission. This is why we are so committed to global missions and supporting families that lay all their lives on the line to tell people about Jesus. This is why we're calling for each one of you to join us on this journey that we're on this year and to be a part of what God is doing all around us. We are being obedient to the mission that our master has called us to. You know, now Jesus had disciples who followed him around everywhere he went. Jesus, you know, would would go places, he would call individuals, and those people were so enamored with what Jesus presented to them that they gave up everything that they had. And they would sit under him. They would they would sit next to him. When when Jesus was sleeping, they were sleeping. When he was up and walking, they were walking and following him. They were disciples because they devoted their life to learn from him. And they spent everything that they had and joined him in his mission. They spent time learning from him, and they were sent out ultimately to do his work. There's even a story where Jesus sent out his disciples two by two and said, hey, go to this town, go to this town, and pray for people. Heal the sick. Do the same things that, I'm, that I've done, and I give you the authority to do it. But the thing is, is that they came to realize very quickly, though, the disciples did, that they were alone powerless. They were powerless alone and unable to really make a difference. There were some people who came back, and disciples who came back, and, and they said, how come we weren't able to... To, to cast out this particular evil spirit. And, and Jesus said that, that it required extra. There were, there, that one required specific things like prayer and fasting. There were other times where, where people were trying to, to cast out demons and, and, and say it in, not under the authority of Jesus, and it wasn't working. And the disciples realized so many times that, that when they tried to do something by themselves, that it just didn't work. They were powerless. But let's look at a passage of Scripture today that illustrates this point exactly. And I think we're going to see something that speaks to our lives. In Matthew chapter 14, if you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to pull it out. Um, if you have a tablet or a smartphone, pull it out, open up your Bible app. By the way, did anybody download the Bible app since I've, since I've recommended it? Anybody? Anybody at all? Guys, get this Bible app. I'm serious. It will change your life. All right, we got one. There we go. Seriously, it changes your life. It makes the Bible so much more accessible. Get it. Start reading some plans. It's incredible. Matthew chapter 14. This is the story that we're going to read out of today. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Verse 15. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, this is a remote place. We're out in the middle of the boonies, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, no, that's not necessary. You feed them. (laughs) What? 
But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, Jesus said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. Now, somewhere between verse 19 and verse 20, an incredible miracle took place. Somehow, five loaves of bread and two fish became enough to feed a crowd of roughly 8,000 people. We had 5,000 men and then all the women and the children that were there. So if you just kind of do the math, if you figure there's a mom and a child for maybe most of the men, you could probably roughly add 2,500, maybe 3,000 people. I mean, so you're thinking seven to 8,000 people that are sitting there. I mean, that's, that's a lot of people, you know? And those individuals were all fed with enough food to, left, to last over 12 extra baskets of food from five pieces of bread and two fish. But it wasn't the disciples that did it. It was Jesus that did it. 5,000 people were fed from what appeared to be an impossibly small amount of food. And the disciples of Jesus saw only what was right in front of them. The disciples were like, hey, Jesus, we better kick these guys out of here because there's no food, there's no restaurants, there's no McDonald's or Wendy's nearby. The, the closest thing we've got is in town and it's getting dark. We better send them away. And Jesus goes, no, 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 there's no reason. We got it. You feed them. Jesus is always looking ahead. Jesus is always seeing the possibilities and the, the potential of what's around when we only see what's right in front of us. The disciples, like us, couldn't do anything until they had help from Jesus. And so our big idea of the day, the main thought that this entire message is wrapped around today is this, is that you cannot give what you do not have. You cannot give what you don't have. Now, in your program today, there are also message notes. I encourage you to pull that out and fill in the blanks as we go along today and maybe store these somewhere so you can pull them out when you maybe need some time or pray over it throughout the week. And when our life groups kick off next month, we're going to be talking about these things. Bring them to your life group. And then that'll give you some notes to be able to, to, to talk about in our group. But you can't give what you don't have. You see, the disciples didn't have the ability to do it on their own. So they looked to Jesus for their help. They said, well, how the heck are we going to feed all these people? I mean, there's no way. We don't have even enough food. We scrounge up looking at our backpacks. I mean, you're looking under your car seat. We're like, I've got a, some crackers here. I mean, like, and Jesus is saying, great, I can take that. You see, our ability to be effective outside of our walls. So, so we're talking about this journey of pushing outward as a church this year, of being effective in our communities, of being on the road. We're going to grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus like we talked about last week through prayer and through Bible reading and through growing in our faith in him. And that propels us to be effective into our communities. But our ability to be effective outside of our walls stems from the power that we receive from our depth of our relationship with God. The, the, the equal amount of effectiveness that we want in the community is equaled by the amount of depth and power that we receive from our relationship with God. If you are dry in your relationship with God, if you don't have much of a relationship with God, if you don't have any of his life-giving power inside of you, you are not going to be very effective in combating against the darkness that surrounds you. I mean, it's, a, it's, like, it's like you're a flashlight with dim batteries, 
I mean, if your batteries are running out of juice, you're going to be flickering at best. What kind of darkness are you going to dispel with a, with a faulty flashlight? And the same thing is true. As we grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus, we will become more effective on the road. And they are all tied together. And some people have said, like the Great Commission, okay, so go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Some people just boil it down to this. They say, go and grow. Go and grow. So here's the process. First, we're saying deeper and outward. So we're going to grow, and then we're going to go and make disciples. And then we're going to go, and then we're going to grow. So we're going to repeat that cycle over and over and over again. As we grow in our faith, we become effective in our communities, on the road. And we make disciples, and they come here, and then they grow. And then they go out, and then they make disciples. They come back in, and those people grow, and they go back out. You see this process? It's go and grow. Go and grow. That is the entire crux of the gospel message. This is our job is to grow deeper in our relationship and to push outward to make disciples of Jesus. They are tied together. Now let's look at this passage again and see what lessons that we can learn to help us while we're on the road this year. So some lessons for the road. There are a few here. Number one is we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility. In verse 16, Jesus said, you feed them. I mean, he wasn't like, oh, don't worry, you guys, you guys just go ahead and take a nap. I'm gonna, I got this. Don't worry about those, that, those bread and fish and all 8,000 people here. I got this. You guys go take a nap or go to the bathroom or go take a bath in the river or, or whatever it is. No, he said, you feed them. We each have a responsibility. Jesus wants every one of us to be a part of this. He could have easily just done it himself because he did anyway. But what he actually did was he handed them the food. He did the miracle and handed it to them. He said, you feed them. Each one of us has a responsibility. It's so easy for us to look around our communities, to look around our world, you know, in our neighborhoods and say, somebody else can do that. I'm a busy guy. You know, I'm, 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 I'm tired. I only have so much money or whatever we might say. And to say, somebody else can do that. But we have the responsibility. Jesus said, you feed them. And so we came here, not just for the people who are in this room. We love every one of you. But we didn't just start this church just for you. We started this church for the entire community of Lawrenceville, for its surrounding neighborhoods, for the entire city of Pittsburgh, for the state of Pennsylvania, for the New England region, for the entire country of the United States of America, for the entire world, for Greece, and for Mongolia, and for other places the missionaries who are connected with are going to. We started this church so that we could have more people know Jesus. We have the responsibility. The second lesson that we can learn for the road is that we will always be tempted to turn back. We will always be tempted to turn back. In verse 17, Jesus tells them, well, you feed them. And then his disciples, always looking for an excuse, say, but but we only have five bread and, and two fish. I mean, what's our excuse? Man, I'm tired. You know, we don't, I've, I've, I've been in my life group already this week and I went to church on Sunday. I don't know if I really, if I need to take the time to go to this outreach on Saturday. I mean, we always have a reason, you know, or someone might say, you know, we do this big egg hunt every year. We had 600 people come to the egg hunt, but nobody came to church from it. We shouldn't do that anymore or whatever. And there's always room for, for, for evaluating, but we don't 
just do the outreaches. We don't just do these events like so we can get people in the doors. I mean, that's the goal of what we want to accomplish. Ultimately, we want to make, to make disciples, but we do it because we know that we're also in a community that needs to see a church in a good light. We need to show people that the love of God is real and that we don't ask for things in return. That's why we give away cookies at the cookie mall. People are shocked. I don't think I've ever seen more people shocked about a church giving away free cookies. I mean, it's amazing to me. How many people are like, no, let me give you a donation. No, we don't want your money. We're doing, why are you doing this? Because you know what? Because God's love is free. So we're giving it away for free. We love you. We do these things not just because we want people to know Jesus, but we do them because we have a reputation to change. Unfortunately, many people see the church as hypocritical. They see the church as, as not relevant, as always asking for something. And I said, when we got here, we were going to show people in this community, if nothing else, we were going to show them that, it, that God's love is free, that we want to give. We're going to be a giving church, not just a receiving church. And we know, I know in my bones that when we do it enough, we're going to build relationships with people and one day they're going to walk through our doors and they'll be sitting here and they're going to hear a message that's going to change their life. There's always an excuse to turn back. It's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's difficult to, to get up on a Saturday morning in the cold weather like next Saturday. You know, Heather and I are going to be out there from 11 to 4 and how, who knows how cold it's going to be at, the, at Arsenal Park here in the winter roundup. We're going to have just a craft table. They asked us, our community asked us, would you set up a table and do something for kids? Sure. We're just going to do it just for fun. But it'll be five hours out in 20-degree weather in January. I mean, that's no picnic, but we're doing it because, because we love people. And I could say, man, I'm tired. I could use a day off. I could rest, you know, or it's my Saturday. There's always an excuse. There's always a temptation to turn back from the journey that God has us on. That's the second lesson for the road. We have a responsibility. We'll always be tempted to turn back. Number three, but the good news is that the trip that we're on is a partnership. In verse 19, it says that Jesus gave the bread to the disciples. You see, he could have done it all by himself. But like Aaron said today, that he chose us. We're partnering with him. His power is what changed the bread and it allowed it to multiply. And then he gave it to his disciples to distribute. It's the same thing that's happening here for us. We have received life. We have received, received hope. We've received salvation. We've received light that dispelled the darkness in our lives. We've received healing. And he wants us now to take those things and to hand them to other people. The hope that we have been given, he wants us to give that hope out. The healing that we have been handed, he wants us to give that healing to other people. The grace that we have been extended, he wants us to extend that grace to other people. The mercy that we have been extended, the forgiveness that we have been extended, he wants us to give that. The miracle that he has done in my life, the miracle that he has done in your life, it wasn't just so you could enjoy it and then look at 8,000 other people and go, man, I'm full. He wants us to take it and to share it with other people so that they can experience and taste it. Like last week, we talked about the living water that Jesus provides, the living water, the refreshing. I have found something in Jesus. This is me talking honestly to you. I have found something in my relationship with Jesus that I have not found anywhere else. 
There is a satisfaction in my soul that cannot be, that cannot be bought with a paycheck. It cannot be reached with a video game system. It cannot even be satisfied with the food and the drink that I have in my house. At the end of the day, no matter how good my life is, no matter how bad my life can get, when I lay down at night, I have a peace in my soul that supersedes everything else, and that comes from my relationship with Jesus. And that is what he wants us to give to other people. It's a partnership. The trip is a partnership. We have a responsibility. We'll always be tempted to turn back. The trip is a partnership. And number four, God is responsible for the outcome. I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. In verse 20, it says, they all ate as much as they wanted. Well, that was only possible because Jesus did his responsibility in this situation. You know, if it's easy for us to start a new church and to hope for 500 people to come in the doors. It's easy for us to, to do an egg hunt, you know, or a back-to-school bash and have 800 people show up and do some incredible things. It's easy to do those things. It's hard to not think that we are the ones responsible for the outcome. I mean, our job is just to take the love that God has given us, like I said a moment ago, and give it to people freely and to tell them the story of what God has done in our lives. But it's his job, his responsibility to make sure that there is as much for everyone to eat as they want. God is the one who pours out his spirit. God is the one who provides the healing. Our job is just to hand out what he's given us, and then he does the rest. I have found peace as a pastor as well. You know, I mean, I've struggled with expectations, at this church, you know, like I had huge dreams and I still have huge dreams, but I have been tempered by the realization that it is not my job. It is not your job to, to, to be able to push the outcomes. And I have found that the things in our, in our church that we, have, that we have relied on our strength or the ideas that we have had to do things, that some of those ideas that were mine or that maybe are yours, that were not as effective because I was trying to push the outcome ourselves. But the things that were the most successful, the things that have changed lives the most, were the things where I took our hands off and said, okay, God, this is what you want to do. We'll do it. And watch, lo and behold, five bread and two fish becomes enough to feed 8,000 people. Because we take our hands off and say, it's not my job to be responsible for the outcome. So you'd say, but Jared, I... I've talked to my neighbor about Jesus. I've told them. I've invited people to church. I know that there are some of you who invite people to church every Sunday, every week. I know you are. And you wonder, why are my people, my friends, not coming to church with me? You know what, though? At the end of the day, you can put your head on the pillow and know that I have been a faithful servant of God because I've done what he asked. I shared that thing. Now, there's always more that we could do. We could always try different things, but it's you're not your job or your responsibility to make to make people's lives change. That's God's job. Our job is to be faithful and obedient. And so that's why we're on the journey. We have a responsibility. We'll always be tempted to turn back. The trip is a partnership. God is responsible for the outcome. And number five, on this journey, everyone wins. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. 
This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.